Steve Jobs was quoted in the book Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson as saying, quote, Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do the work you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about the power of passion in leadership. It is a topic I've spoken about in the past, but I want to go a lot deeper on this podcast and for a couple of podcasts to come. Part of a new book that I'll be releasing. Uh, by the time you hear this, it may already be released as an ebook, The Power of Passion in Leadership. I want to begin with a pain point. Thank you again so much, all of you who have been sending me your feedback. This was a, an interesting pain point, and man, I can appreciate it so much. This is from a, a woman. I don't like to mention people's names, but uh, here's what she said. My greatest pain point, likely the sense that no matter how well I articulate a topic, I'm not being heard. The way God has gifted me allows me to see and understand things at a deep level. So comments I make become too deep and weighty for some leaders. In other cases, my comments aren't understood. It would be helpful if leaders took the time to hear me unpack my thoughts and gave them serious consideration. There have been numerous times where listening that brought implementation could have saved time and money for my organization. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I know this woman. I know she's in leadership, and I don't know if part of the reason is her position or the fact that she's a female, but I hear you. I feel your pain. And what is it that she wants to be? She wants to be heard. She wants for leadership to truly listen. And how often do we say one of the greatest frustrations of the leaders that we work for is they don't listen well. So you leaders out there, you be sure to listen. All right, what we're going to cover in the podcast today is uh, some ideas from Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 of my new book on the power of passion and leadership. It is somewhat similar to episode number eight, those of you who have been listening for a long time, but it's taken this to a whole new level. I also want to mention to you all, just as an aside, I love speaking about what I write about, and I write about what I love speaking about on all matters of leadership. And if you're interested in maybe booking me to speak in an event sometime, I would be interested. Just go to my HansFenzel.com under the services tab, you'll see my speaking page. And, you know, send me a note, tell me what you're doing, what you're up to. You might be surprised that I might want to show up at your uh, place and, and share with your leadership team and uh, do some speaking for your organization, your group, your ministry, your church, your business. I do a lot of that, and I love it. Also, just a reminder, my show notes are at hansfenzel.com, and you'll be able to uh, see what's going on, and especially these passion circles I'm going to be talking about podcast directory is at hansfinzel.com slash podcast. Well, let's get going on the show today. Let me tell you what happened to me. My heart seemed to be battling my head for a long time. In my heart, I knew something was wrong, but my head kept telling me to ignore it. I'm making a great impact, I thought to myself. So what if I'm not happy? 
It came to a head for me one day in my garage at home. I was going on a walk and put on my favorite baseball cap. It's one of those life is good caps. I noticed that sewn inside the cap so that you can see it when you put the cap on is the company's slogan, their motto. And you know what it is? It says, do what you like, like what you do. And I said to myself, I'm doing neither. One of the thoughts I have here in this podcast today is uh, the subtitle for my new book is called is to lead from your heart, not from your head. And I'm going to talk about the fact that the head is very important in our leadership and smart leaders make great leaders, but we need to lead from our heart, not from our head. For me, when I put that baseball cap on that day, it was like God spoke to me. It was time for a change. I used to find fulfillment in my career, but it seemed like I didn't anymore. I needed to pay more attention to my heart. Isn't it funny how sometimes the oddest things can speak to us and change the whole direction of our lives? You know, I guess that's important. It's important for us to listen and respond to our hearts and to God's promptings. You know, I don't make it any secret that I'm a follower of Christ, and I find that he talks to me in all kinds of ways. I've also learned through the years that God seems to speak to people in very different kinds of ways. Of course, he speaks to all of us through his Bible that he gave us, that that precious gift. But sometimes he speaks to us in church or through a deep conversation with someone else. God often speaks to me through Donna, and I really have learned to listen to what she says. Now, I love the outdoors, and I often sense God whispering to me when I'm walking here in Colorado or hiking or mountain biking or even skiing. I just uh, love the outdoors, and I find that oftentimes when I'm outdoors, Uh, I have a sense of tranquility, and God seems to be able to get through to me. I was just telling Donna today, I'm just kind of sick of technology. It is just bombarding me all the time, 24-7. And, you know, sometimes we need to just get away from that so we can hear these promptings. And uh, that's why I love my mountain bike. Uh, Even though I have my phone with me, I try to ignore the beeps and turn it off. I mean, mute it so that I can just focus on the beauty of being outside. And also, I often stop. There's a special bench I like to stop at when I'm on my particular route that's not far from my house here. And I I really enjoyed communing with God at that time. My heart was just not in what I was doing for my day job. It was like I was going through the motions with my head. And I had to figure out really how to flip my heart and my head. And there were just two options. You know, more on that later, along with the rest of my story. Why does leading from the heart really matter? You know, it can be natural to think if I'm smart enough, gifted enough, work hard enough, of course people respond to my leadership. I know what I'm talking about because occasionally in my career, I put my head before my heart and I led through the sheer power of my personality and my gifts and my abilities. But you know, if you're not leading from the heart, not only do you get to a place where you're not fulfilled, but people also don't respond to you. I'm going to give you more on that in just a moment. I have seen that the more gifted you are, the smarter you are, the more it can be a temptation and an easy default to just lead with your head and lead with your gifts. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is that kind of leadership does not inspire people and it doesn't build deep loyalty. In fact, I've noticed the opposite.
People follow people who they know, who they trust, and who they believe in. And that trust is built between leader and follower with our hearts. It's all about the hearts. There's some sort of a magnetic loyalty and magic that grows in followers who respond to leaders who lead with passion out front. We just love to follow people who are filled with passions. Now, don't get me wrong. Our heads are important. A lot of great leaders that we love to follow are very smart. I can think of a lot of famous people throughout history that changed the world through their powerful intellects and their giftings. But if you dissect their leadership, you always find the passion factor very high and usually the thing that drew people to follow them. Think of the likes of Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Gandhi, Princess Diana. They were all very smart people who led with their hearts out front. Nothing trumps passion. If you light yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. People follow people of passion. Conversely, when the fire goes out of our hearts, nothing will make people wander away faster and find someone else to follow. Some of us end up pretenders, walking like zombies among the walking dead. Does that sound a little dramatic? It might, but I've met you. I've met people who are literally walking like zombies among the walking dead. I'll explain that a little bit later. I love the razor-sharp focus in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, 23. It kind of sums up this whole thing about leading from your heart. Because Proverbs 4, 23 says, quote, Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. If you don't think that passion is a big deal, just think about that verse again. It is the deal. Our passion lives in our heart of hearts. And if we lose our heart, we lose our leadership credibility. Proverbs declares that everything we do and touch flows from the heart as its ultimate source. The actions of our hands and the thoughts that flow out of our mouths all emerge from our hearts. It says everything that we do flows from our heart of hearts. Yeah, you can lead without being fully alive. I confess I've done it. I've led uh, over my 20 years of leadership in the particular ministry I was president of. I, I know there were months where my heart was dead and I kept on leading. That's some of my story. I've had the privilege of leading some great ventures over three decades of leadership, and, and I've been in both places. I've led passionately from my heart, and I've led when my heart seemed dead and I was just leading from my head. I've led thousands with great vision and passion flowing from a heart fully alive and in sync, and at times it seemed like I lost all that passion, and, and I was part of the walking dead, and I just went through the motions of leadership. We can all become great pretenders. The other night, Donna and I were at a dinner with some friends in Texas, and this guy named Doug was sitting across from me, and he was telling me about his former career in the Air Force, and, and now he was in financial services after he retired from the military. And he had so much passion around what he was doing now in his day job in financial services. And I thought to myself, first of all, well, that's kind of cool. He shifted from a career in the Air Force to a career in financial services because he realized he loved money and numbers in the sense of man 
managing numbers and helping other people manage their finances. And I, I stopped him right in the middle of his passionate talk and I said, it sounds to me like you really love your job. And he flashed a huge grin and he said, yeah, Hans. I love what I get to do. And I said, you know what, Doug? You are really fortunate because I meet a whole lot of people that that's not true. And I just think it's awesome that it's true for you. And he just had a big smile and he says, yeah, I feel pretty fortunate. Unlike Doug, more people seem to be stuck in jobs that they don't love. Of all the secrets to great leadership, nothing seems more important to me than to guard the passion of our hearts. If you're leading out of the sweet spot of your passion, it covers a multitude of other leadership sins. If you've lost your passion, you know, everyone else around you notices. I noticed in my years of leadership when it seemed like my heart was dull or dead, I could tell that people noticed and I could tell my leadership wane in those weeks and months. And when I got the groove back and I got the passion back, it was like magic. All of a sudden people responded much more favorably and enthusiastically to my leadership. I'm going to help you figure out if you're leading from your heart or your head and and how to get it back if you've strayed. Stephen Jobs is such a great example of leading from the heart. I don't care if you're an Apple person or a PC user, but you got to admire the passion of his leadership. He changed five massive industries, including music, personal computers, phones, animation, and mobile computing. And just recently, Apple, of course, announced their newest venture into watches, the iWatch. And Tim Cook, the new CEO, has declared, we are going to design and build the best watch ever made. And I thought to myself as I heard that announcement, I thought, even though Jobs is no longer among us, The passion with which he led his company continues to pervade the company at every turn because he built the passion of his heart into the very DNA and culture of that company. Steve Jobs was notoriously tough to work with, but he had passion for elegant devices that have covered the globe. He's a great example of how passion can cover a multitude of other sins because if you read the book, Steve Jobs, you'll see he was such a tough person to work for. He was so tough to work for. He was so tough on people and so demanding, but he garnered amazing, extreme loyalty because, I believe, of his heart and his passion. People knew he was in it because he wanted to change the world. And he was in it because of the passion to build the best devices, no matter what arena they were in. It wasn't about himself. It wasn't about his ego. He never cared about money. Reading his book, I remember at one point, his uh, I think his friend Bill Gates said, uh, you know, you really ought to get your own private jet because Gates has this real cool private jet and you know Jobs never really thought about it and and then he decided he would and he started obsessing upon designing it just the way he wanted it interior because he obsessed upon everything but you know that's a great point he didn't care about the money the trappings of wealth he lived in the same house all the time he lived there and in California it was passion that drove him and that's what created this extreme loyalty to him. I just was back in China recently and I saw some of the biggest Apple stores I've ever seen. And it seems like it's a real status symbol in China to have an iPhone or an iPad. And I was visiting with a friend of mine in Beijing and everybody in China wants to learn English. They do teach it in school. And he was saying his young son is starting to learn English. And say, he said, guess what? He just learned his first English word. And you know what that was? Apple. That's the first word he learned. All that impact goes back to Steve's passion as a leader. 
History is the story of great leaders and terrible leaders that pushed the world forward or pulled mankind back. The great stories of positive leadership seem to always be characterized by passion. Who comes to your mind when you think about great, passionate leaders, past and present? I've already given you somewhat of a list, but let me continue my list of what I think of are great leaders who led with passion. It meant it wasn't about themselves. It wasn't about their ego. It wasn't about enriching themselves. It really was about changing the world. And even though they were smart, they led with their hearts. It would include people like Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Indira Gandhi, Ronald Reagan, Martin Luther. And for each of these people that I've just mentioned, passion characterized their leadership. What about the Bible? Think about the Bible. It's a story from cover to cover of men and women of passion. Who's your favorite character in the Bible in your Old Testament? Who's your favorite character in the New Testament? Well, for me, it's people like Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Ruth, Esther, Paul, Timothy, they followed God with passion and created the redemption story. I met a man the other day who dislikes his job so intensely that he has a retirement countdown clock on his computer desktop, and he's still seven years away from retirement. Some of us work in our passion, some of us don't. Some of us have the joy of working in an assignment we love. Others suffer along living for the weekends and retirement. If you're an employee living in a cubicle land, you can get away with biding your time in a miserable job. It's not fun, but the effect on the organization, the, the business, the ministry, the church is somewhat minimal if you're just living in cubicle land and you don't have a lot of leadership responsibility or management. But the higher you go in leadership, the more our hearts count. People don't enjoy working for mechanical micromanagers or passive worn-out leaders. They love following leaders who lead from a place of passion. Let's dig just a little bit deeper into this word passion before I wrap up this show. What is this thing I call passion and leadership? It's really about connecting the deepest feelings in our heart with our work. And the more you believe in what you're doing, the easier it is to have passion. The less you love what you do, the more it shows to people on the outside. Wikipedia defines passion deriving from the Latin word pati, P-A-T-I, which means to suffer. And I thought that was kind of interesting. That's where the passion of the Christ comes in, the suffering of the Christ. It is a term that is applied to very strong feelings about a person or thing, i.e. your work, your career, what you do. Passion is an intense emotion, compelling feeling, enthusiasm, or desire for something. Passion is such a magnet when it's apparent in the heart of the leader. Confucius, I think, was the first person to observe. I've seen this quote attributed to a lot of people, and I did a lot of digging, and I think, I think it was Confucius who first said, If you choose a job you love, you will never have to work another day in your life. Well, I don't think that's completely true, but I do get the idea. Because your work will not seem like work. I was interviewing Patrick Kelly on a previous podcast. Maybe you ch had a chance to listen to that podcast. He, he runs a business, uh, Fruit Importing, out of Los Angeles. He's 29 years old, and he was telling me how hard he works, but he doesn't consider it work. He says, I don't see any dividing line between work and play in life because I do what I love, and I love what I do. And I just thought that that's kind of what Confucius was talking about. If you choose a job you love or if you find a job you love, 
you'll never have to work another day in your life in terms of work being drudgery. My friend Tom has a great way to gauge how close you are to working in your passion. He asks what he calls the lottery question to gauge your heart. And here's the question. If you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do with the rest of your life? What would you do regardless of whether you got paid for it or not? That's a great way to find the answer to the passion question. What would you love to do if money was no object? What would you do with the days of your life? I want to finish this particular podcast with a story of a woman who was an amazing, powerful woman who made an amazing impact on the planet and created something good out of her passion. Her name is Dame Cecil Saunders. She's a great example of the magnetic pull of a passionate leader. Dame Saunders founded the hospice movement. And I love this movement because hospice care workers provided excellent care, love, and kindness uh, for both of my parents in the last weeks of their life. Also for my mother-in-law, Anita Bubeck, in the last days of her life. I love hospice people. I didn't really know about the hospice movement until my father was terminally ill with cancer, and they just moved right in, and the passion and the care that they showed to my father, a complete stranger, just blew me away. In Gordon Brown's book, Courage, Portraits of Bravery in the Services of Great Causes, <laughs> there's a great title for a, a book, he describes the magnet of Saunders' passion as people flocked to join with her. And here's what he says. They were drawn in the first place to what she was trying to do, but they wanted to do it with her, feeling she had the drive and the vision to make it happen. She has a quality which pulls people to her and inspires them. She had to do this. She had to create the hospice movement. It had nothing to do with herself or money. It just had to be done. She didn't care about money. She didn't care about attention or fame. That's leading with passion. Well, I'm going to stop here for this show and pick up this theme in the next episode of this podcast. I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, just uh, I want you to know that the book will be coming out soon. And by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll probably already be out. The Power of Passion in Leadership. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love it if you would tweet about it so we can get some more listeners. If you love it, tweet about it. And I always enjoy having you uh, write me, whether it's just encouraging words, you can write me on hansfenzel.com on the contact tab. And I also want to just leave you with what I call the quote of the show and the book of the show. The book that I want to recommend to you is the Stephen Jobs book. The name of the book is Steve Jobs, and the reference is Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs by Simon & Schuster, 2011. And here's what he says. I want to leave you with this quote. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do the work you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.